Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Hello, and welcome back to the the Salmon Arm Potter's House podcast. Uh, My name again is David Bickford, and I'm the pastor here. And this today's sermon is going to be entitled... What are you subscribing to? The World Wide Web or Wisdom? I like this message. Uh, it, it's 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 ever important for us to look at, you know, what we're subscribing to. So the text that we'll use as a jumping off point today will be Psalms 106, 36 through 39. So if you have your Bible, Psalms 106, 36 through 39, you can turn there while we jump into this. So recently, I was cleaning out my email and unsubscribing to a a number of email lists. And to be honest, I got to do that again. So I'll probably do it here in the next week or two, because I don't know about you guys, but I'm I I subscribed to all sorts of stuff because I'm interested in many different things. Whether it's like music, I'm learning to you know play the piano a little bit, uh, or I play bass guitar as well. So I've got all sorts of music stuff. The military, I've got subscriptions to all sorts of you know Marine Corps and military kind of things. And then another hobby of mine is is I do I do long distance backpacking and and whenever I can get a chance, which is not very often, but I'm a, a bit of a gearhead. So I've got all this crazy camping gear stuff that's coming into my inbox all the time. And those are just the things that I remember signing up for. You know, some of these I, I remember subscribing for, others I don't. Some stuff that comes in there, I'm like, wow, this is really junk. I don't know where this came from. So as I was muddling through all these emails, I began to dawn, it began to dawn on me that the desire of the world is to block out the things of God. It's to clog our minds and waste our time with the futile things of this world. This is nothing you know, new. And throughout you know, the history of mankind has, has always strived for pleasure and entertainment to distract ourselves from the lives that we're living and oftentimes to distract ourselves from living a life of purpose. We often will say to ourselves, we deserve some downtime. As you've ever heard that, you know, the big one for downtime. I deserve a break or I need a me day. I mean, that's a disgusting phrase. I don't even like saying it. <laughs> um, but some time to relax and chill out. And how often t- does that downtime become all the time? And then we find ourselves with no time for the things of God because we're so busy with the things of man. Last week, I was pre- I was I, I preached about uh, the storm and how God is in the storm. And I believe that in nature, storms are used by God as a way to clean the environment and to bring attention to the things that are truly important, that 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 is life. Similarly, the storm we go through in our own lives are meant to clean up our lives to the point of bringing us back to the Lord, a way of disrupting our endless pursuits of entertainment and pleasure to shake us and refocus us on him. But on the on him, but on those around us so that we can show our love for him by serving others. 
So we're supposed to be focused in on the things of God and then therefore the things that God wants us to do. That makes perfectly clear sense, right? So why why do there have to be all these calamities in the world? Why does there have to be wars and rumors of wars? Why does there have to be, you know, ebbs and flows in the economy even? Why are these things having to happen? And I believe that God allows a lot of these things to happen so that he can work through them for his purpose and so that he can, you know, help us to redirect and focus our life back on him. That's his hope. That's his goal, I believe, with the storm. So an illustration I, I came up with is, is entertainment, culture, and addiction. And this is from an, from an article from Peter Stromberg. And it's about how our way of life promotes addiction. We have a severe drug abuse problem in our society, and anyone who has struggled with addiction or watched a loved one do so knows the agony of a, that addiction brings to sufferers and their families. For the most part, addiction is understood to be a result of biological factors similar to a disease process. The interaction of a powerful chemical within the human nervous system can create a situation in which a body becomes dependent upon the chemical and withdrawal from that chemical leads to great suffering. A number of addiction experts dispute the disease model, however, and they offer some convincing counterarguments. To take a single obvious example, some people develop addictive relationships to activities that don't involve ingesting chemicals, activities such as gambling or playing games on the internet. That's a big one, right? Playing games on the internet. Anybody out there? No? Okay. In fact, we seem to be a nation of people who fall rather easily into being controlled by our desires. Even those who have no addictions often struggle to control their spending or their food intake. Psalms 106, 36 through 39, we're going to look at our text now, and it says in verse 36, they worshiped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. Now, really quickly with that, you know, there's that's a pretty powerful, you know, verse of scripture from the Psalms. What's he talking about here? Well, we do know in in uh, ancient times and even the ancient Israelites, there were periods where they literally did sacrifice their sons and daughters to the gods Molech and Baal and different different things. So these these idols, these pagan worship that occurred, this is something that did happen in that period of time. They allowed this these activities that they surrounded themselves with to become something more important than the one God, the God, the Jehovah. So let's look at my first point, which is the world. We cannot escape the world for we live in it, right? Of course not. And those of us that are called by Christ are, are called some, to something different, though. We're called to be emissaries for the kingdom of heaven. So even though we're here, we have to remember that we do have a calling. Every believer has a calling on their life to be an emissary, to be a, an example of the heavenly kingdom. So where does that leave us in respect to the call or our place in this world? The easiest path for many is to fall in love with this world rather than the call. And 1 John 2.15 
He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I don't know about you, but I read that, and that's a challenging portion of Scripture. Because it's it's very clearly telling us that, you know, even though the culture wants us to say, you can do these things, you can be these things and still, you know, and still be spiritual. You can still be a Christian and do all these things. This verse of Scripture should confound you. Because it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. And then he continues to go on and say, if anyone does love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So that's a challenging thing for for believers, because obviously we do, you know, we thank God for the beautiful creation that he's given us and to be able to live and abide in him in this world. But what the point of this scripture clearly is, is that our focus is not meant to be on this fallen world or the entertainment that is in this fallen world. We should have our primary focus on the purpose or the calling of of Jesus Christ, the thing that does set us free. So since the fall of man, when sin entered the world, we have lived in a corrupted creation. So that when I, you know, when I read the Old Testament, I was always amazed uh, by how quickly humanity had turned against, you know, God, but how you can also see, you know, it had turned to consumerism or the pursuit of pleasure, even in the Old Testament, Right. We like to think that it's only in our day and age that people have become subjugated or addicted to entertainment. It is true that we have more channels and and avenues for entertainment now than they did thousands of years ago, but it is not a new problem. In Genesis, it only takes us to chapter three for us to see some temptation win out in the first battle of wills, right? Genesis three, one through seven, the fall. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat, Of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves loincloths. This original sin is now an everyday occurrence. In the world we live in, we are challenged to make the same decision over and over and over again. The world calls to us in the same manner as the serpent, you won't die. For God knows that when you eat of of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In In the very next chapter, we see Cain kill his brother Abel out of jealousy. Time goes on, and within two chapters, we see the story of Noah and the ark. And at this point of history, the world is beyond repair. 
and God judges the earth with the great flood. I only highlight these chapters to show how early on in human nature we decided that our own way, our own pleasure-seeking, our own knowledge led us away from God in favor of the world. How many times in today do you, do you hear people say, or talk about rather, relative truth? Well, my truth is this. Well, your truth isn't God's truth, and you need to be very careful about assuming you know, truth, especially when it's relative truth, because then you open the door for everybody to have their own truth to live by. And then morality in a civilization collapses. It just collapses. Society would collapse if everybody believed in relative truth and relative morality. And that's part of the reason why we do have wars and rumors of wars and things going on today is because of all the different, you know, you know, Basis is for morality that are happening in the world. This brings me to my second point, which is wide. This is the worldwide a worldwide epidemic. And it, I found an article titled, My Family is Trapped in the Metaverse. This is a pretty interesting you know, article. It's from Adriana So, uh, who is a senior associate reviewer uh, or review editor for the publication Wired, which is a tech publication. If you're a techie, you probably have heard of it. The subheading for this article is virtual reality isn't great, but it's a lot better than dealing with everything else out there. That that title alone should scare you. The fact that people are willing to just leave life behind for something fake. But that's that's what the promise of, of Satan and the devil are, is these fake, the the these fake, you know, alternatives to living a righteous life and you know, following Christ. So in the article, she says, after lunch, my six-year-old daughter was allowed was allowed to spend half an hour in Google Google's Tilt Brush, a 3D drawing app where she created a frosty winter scene complete with falling snow and snowmen named Lisa and Tom. My four-year-old watched enraptured as the headset cast to the screen. After dinner, I caught my husband putting the headset on again. I told him to charge it when he was done because I was going to try a few new games with my coworker in an hour. Being the parent of a still unvaccinated four-year-old in the middle of a rainy Oregon winter during the still ongoing global pandemic has sucked. My kids go to school and, and daycare, but to mitigate the risk, they have canceled swimming, gymnastics, classes, play dates. Virtual reality isn't perfect, but it has allowed us to extend our lockdown indefinitely until my son can be vaccinated and also I kind of like it. So that article has a lot to be afraid of, in my opinion, <laughs> just that first bit of it. But, you know, during the global pandemic, there was this worldwide epidemic, but maybe not in the way that you think. The pandemic locked people away from reality. And in the past, they might have turned to their close family or gone outdoors or even the Bible. But now we all look inward towards entertainment. Flashing lights and vibrant colors from TV, movies, and the internet has enabled us to remain connected like never before, but it is also breaking down our ability to be connected in real life. And for many, it has become an addiction. That's why even, even with this podcast, you know, the goal of the podcast isn't just to have a podcast. You know, It is to share sermons, clearly, but it's also to draw people out. So whether you're in Salmon Arm and you come to our church and, and visit with us, or you could go to any of the other 3,000 Potter, you know, 
fellowship churches we have in the world, or if we don't have one, to find a church to lock into where you're at. That's the key. Find a Bible-believing church where you could lock into and have fellowship with the brethren, with other Christians. That's the goal. But let's dig back in to this article. The first time I downloaded Tilt Brutch was the first time I was able to give my six-year-old a truly new experience in a really long time. Her little mouth dropped open as she turned around and around. I like it too much. I'm not getting out, she declared. I cast the headset to the TV and could see her waving her hands in the dark, making flowers and hearts come to glowing life with her hands. It was amazing. So again, you know, in today's world, we're not amazed oftentimes by the power of God or the power of his creation, but rather the creations of man. And it's actually really funny because we we try to ignore the creative power of God and what he's created for us in this world, in this, you know, life. But we're all the more willing to dive into and accept the creations of man. This addition to entertainment is building calluses on people's soul. Fiction has become reality and this warping of reality permeates our understanding of God and our trust in his word. So back to the article again, the endless months stretched on and on. I don't know how long it will be until the quest to bores us just as the piano now bores us or bread making or roller skates or any of the other endless ways we thought we would be able to make it through what we imagined would be at most a temporary disruption. The sun goes down and the oasis beckons. I just hope by the time we can get out of here, we will still want to. What a scary ending to that article is the fact that, you know, hopefully by the time we're, you know, the pandemic subside, subsides back when that was a thing, you know, hopefully we, we even want to leave the house. Or maybe we just want to just stay plugged in to what they're feeding us in the metaverse. That's a pretty frightening thing. So let's look again at Psalms 106, 36, 39. They worshiped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood and the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to idols of Canaan and the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. These verses of scripture become more and more clear to us, you know, as something that recurs in human history over and over again. When we look at the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, we're shown a picture of the fleeting nature of sin, the desire to seek only entertainment and pleasure that can have disastrous results on our lives and the lives of those we care about. So how do we find ourselves so enraptured by the worldwide entertainment? It is a web, after all, and it's meant to be so addictive that we are trapped in it like spiders, like like being in a spider's web or, or the fowler's snare, right? What is that that we're talking about then? We're talking about the web. Right now we're in the web. We're stuck in the web. Entertainment, pleasure, and self. The internet, movies, books, theater are not wicked in themselves. In fact, they can be great tools to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. The trouble is not the media, but rather the fallen nature of man. There's a reason the Bible tells us not to forsake the gathering of the brethren, which is the church, which I've already kind of hit on. The focus of us as Christians is the gospel and the kingdom of God. The problem within a lot of churches and within a lot of Christians is the lure of the world's entertainment. And 
and the web, right? The world's entertainment web. So when we do not judge our entertainment by first washing it with the word of God, we can become watered down by the false gospel of the world. A survey you know, done by Josh Shepard found that only 9% of self-identified Christians hold to a biblical, biblical worldview. Now, that might sound crazy. Here we are. We're Christians. We're supposed to, you know, have given ourselves, you know, to Christ and accepted him as our Lord and Savior. But now we're going to discount much of the worldview that he espoused in favor of a new, more enlightened worldview. The CRC study, which included 2,000 adults, classifies American believers on a spectrum of five subgroups from those who self-identify as Christians to those who are termed integrated disciples and possess a biblical worldview. On the surface, they may all, all appear to be Christian, but the survey reveals stark differences in their core beliefs. Now, this says American, but you could probably extrapolate that to Canadians because there's probably a lot of similarities. For instance, 61% of those who self-identify as Christians affirm that I believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect, and just creator of the universe who still rules the universe today. Right there. Right there. 61%? What do those other 39% believe as self-identified Christians? However, large majorities of self-identified Christians also report many beliefs that aren't in harmony with biblical teaching. According to the survey, these include 72% argue that people are basically good. The Bible clearly tells us that the human heart is wicked. 66% say that having faith matters more than which faith you pursue. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through Christ our Lord. We know that from the word of God. 64% say that all religious faiths are of equal value. Same answers before. We're told that, you know, that narrow is is the gate, the path, right? 58% believe that if a person is good enough or does enough good things, they can earn their way into heaven. This is a works argument. But we know that it's by faith you are saved. It's grace that saves us. And then if you have grace and you've been saved, you will have fruit. You will have works that come because you've been uh, washed by the blood of the Lamb and you've come up as a new creation in Christ. Here's a good one. 57% believe in karma. That's a Hinduistic belief. And it goes quite contrary. It's very close to to fatalism to a certain extent too. But anyway, we're not going to digress. Those are clearly not scriptural ideas. By contrast, the survey cohorts termed an integrated disciple, a small subset of those claiming to be Christians, are noted as being consistent in their beliefs and integrating those convictions into their behaviors. So. Now we're looking at not just, you know, cultural Christians is what I like to call the first group, but we're looking at a second group, which is integrated disciples. Because as Christians, we're all called to be disciples. We're all called to make that leap into not just accepting Jesus Christ, but letting him have his way in us, which is discipleship. 99% or and more believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, a just creator of the universe who still rules the universe today. 99 More than 99% believe the Bible is accurate and reliable word of God. 96% claim that every moral choice either honors or dishonors God. 
However, Barna's survey finds that even some believers classified as this highly disciple cohort hold to some views that challenge biblical principles. Those shocking beliefs of integrated disciples include 52% still argue that people are basically good, which again is very, very you know, clearly against the word of God. 39% contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, and purity. But if you believe in the, the Holy Trinity, we believe that it's it's the Godhead, right? And if you want more on that, reach out. I'm more than happy to talk about that. 33% of this group still believe in karma. You know, what do you do with that? There's a remarkable level of self-deception even among born-again Christians, said Barna, commenting on this on his recent worldview research. It represents a huge educational challenge for those responsible for biblical worldview development. In Hebrews 10, 26 and, and uh, 11, 24 through 25, it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice is left for sin. And then in 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So the reality is that if you're washing yourself in the worldwide web, then you're at a risk of not only being trapped, but also having your faith stripped away by false teachings of the world. So where do we turn to and what hope do we have? Our hope is always found in Jesus. It was his sacrifice on the cross that has the power to set us free. So as we come to a close, I want to look at wisdom salvation and a new life in Jesus Christ. God's wisdom is always our way out of life, out of a life of sin and pain. We can see the stories of God's salvation through the Old and New Testament. We know that Jesus is the word from John, you know, one, one. With that, we can infer the Old Testament draws one continuous line towards Jesus. The purpose of the law was to draw attention to our need for a savior, our need for a sacrifice. So as we live in a world that is wide open with sin, where there are webs of deceit masquerading as entertainment and pleasure, we can shed the light of the word on those traps. We can avoid them ourselves by washing our lives in the word, and we can pull others out of those webs with the gospel. When the Lord hung on the cross, there were two others hanging with him. One of those men chose to mock Jesus, but the other made a different choice. He chose to repent of his sin and ask Jesus for forgiveness. So unless you're driving, if you're driving, keep your hands 10 and 2 in the wheel. But if not, I want every head bowed, every eye closed, wherever you're listening. Both men were trapped by the choices of their lives. Both those men that were hanging next to Jesus on the cross. But one man was able to achieve eternal freedom through Christ Jesus. He made a different decision. He made a decision to turn away in his heart from all of the wickedness of this world, all of the temptations of this world. You too can turn from the world wide web of entertainment, embrace the wisdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then you too will be set free, broken out of this world prison and able to help others and to rescue others. More people just like you and me, sinners saved by grace. 
If this message is resonating with you, if this sounds like you, where you're at, wherever you are, I want you to signify that with an uplifted hand. Uh, because I'm, I'm, I can't see this, but God can see this. And we always do this invitation at the end of every message that I preach after every music scene, after everything we do. The reality is, is we need Christ. And you can have that. It's a simple prayer. You just repeat after me, dear Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I know that your son, Jesus Christ, came and died for my sins. I repent. I turn away from my sins. And I accept you, Jesus, to be my Lord, to come into my heart, to be my Savior, to be my King. I give you all the praise and glory for your grace that sets me free and saves me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So thank you very much for listening again this week. I pray that this message has impacted you. If you pray that prayer, reach out. Let me know. That's the whole purpose of what we're doing here is to see people saved and then see them locked into churches that are preaching the gospel so they can be strengthened within the brethren or by the brethren and go out and, and see others set free from the web of the world as well. So again, thank you for listening, and I can't wait for you to come back next time. God bless. Listen to the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore Salmon Arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life.